I do love this church, and uh, I just was talking with, so this is my wife Georgia here, and then these are our five kids, this is all of them, um, uh, this is Reagan, then Jackson, wow, Jefferson, Madison, and John Quincy. So if you may notice a theme, we named all of our children after good dead presidents, and uh, only good ones, and ones who are already dead. So uh, it takes any hurt feelings away from anybody who may still be living, and uh, we didn't name our kids after living people. Uh, but John Quincy's the last one, so we figured, why not change the, uh, the pattern of last names and just... Let's, my, aunt, my aunt actually said this. I hope he's too young to really get this. My aunt said, um, when I told her what we were going to name, she said, oh, please don't do that to the poor child. Uh, <laughs> poor kids named John Quincy Adams. Uh, so, uh, but John Quincy was a great man, and don't get me started, but great man, and uh, probably the most qualified man to ever hold the office of president. Um, this is not a history lesson tonight, so let's go to Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> Now, it is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So what subject would one assume we were going to cover tonight? Thankfulness? I don't want to disappoint you. That's what we're going to do. Uh, I, just, I just want to make sure that I am aware that you're aware that it's like the thing to do. I mean, it's not like a, a secret to you that we're going to cover Thanksgiving or thankfulness. I actually want to cover the subject of gratitude. Uh, that's, is being thankful, yes. But gratitude uh, is a little bit more, uh, it has the word in it, attitude, but it's also uh, more of an act. Uh, showing gratitude is, is a little bit beyond just being thankful for something. It's an act of showing um, your thankfulness. So you're in Luke chapter 17, and we're not going not gonna to read right offhand. Uh, I want to say a few things about the subject of, of thankfulness or gratitude. Um, gratitude can be defined as the quality of being thankful and readiness to show appreciation for and return kindness. It doesn't necessarily say you must return a kindness, but a readiness to return a kindness. Um, according to research, um, according to research, gratitude has a lot of psychological benefits. Just having a, an attitude or a mindset of gratitude has a lot of psychological benefits. It can lift depression. It can aid in sleep. It can improve your diet. It can make you more likely to exercise. I did not say it would make you exercise because I know some Baptists would be like, well, I'm out. No, thank you. Uh, uh, Heart patients, doctors have found, recover more quickly when they start and keep a gratitude journal during their recovery. Um, and it causes people to be more generous and more kind to strangers, people they do not know. In a recent study that had been summarized in, a scientific, in the Scientific American Journal finds gratitude is the single best predictor of well-being and good relationships, beating out 24 other impressive traits, including hope, love, and creativity. Gratefulness. Thankfulness, gratitude, it's the single best predictor of well-being and having good relationships, and it beats out all the others. Uh, It's been stated once, happiness does not lead one to gratitude. Gratitude leads one to happiness. It doesn't go the other way. 
we must have gratitude before we can find that happiness. Um, often we find ourselves, if, if, if we just be honest, if we just be honest with each other, will you be honest with me? If my jokes stink, don't laugh. Thank you, Georgia. Uh, if my jokes stink, don't laugh. If my jokes are funny, laugh. And if I say, would you be honest with this? Just be honest. It's, it's true. We do find ourselves in a pretty severe state of annoyance a lot of the time, don't we? We've, we, fi- we, find, we find that one thing, and this happens to us during the day, one thing doesn't go our way. And maybe I'm just talking for the men, because it happens to me, and I'm male. Um, one thing doesn't go my way. And the rest of my day can very well be derailed off that one thing that doesn't happen the way that I think it ought to happen or the way I think it should go. That one thing. Um, Tonight we headed up here a little bit uh, early so that we could go on to Twins so we could worship at the altar of Chick-fil-A. And they, uh, I I, I was thinking, man, it's going to be supper time. The people in Twin Falls really do love their Chick-fil-A. The line goes all the way through the parking lot. I think it goes through Target through the, uh, I don't know, grocery section. Like, it's ridiculous. And I thought, we're not going to be able to go to Chick-fil-A and still be here in time. I don't want to eat and have a heavy stomach. And so I was disappointed because something wasn't going my way. It's so easy for something to not go my way or go our way, and it'll, it'll just derail the rest of the day. And what we do when we do that is we forget the hundreds of other things that are going right in our life, the hundreds of other things that are going right in our day, and uh, for, for an example, if uh, I didn't get to eat Chick-fil-A tonight before church, but I didn't get a wreck on the way here. I, our tires didn't go flat on the way here. There's a many, many, we didn't forget a child at the gas station when we left. Now, come on, we, we may have one, two, three, four, you know, we're good. We have them all. Uh, it'd be terrible to notice now. But most of us, if we're honest, we're at least mildly aggravated about half of our waking hours. Some type of a mild aggravation has annoyed us, peeved us for most of our waking hours. That's an awful way to go through life. And I imagine the person who goes through their life mildly frustrated or aggravated about something, um, they're going to get to heaven, they're going to complain about how loud the heart music is. You know, like, Lord, it's a little cool up here, if you don't mind. Uh, When you get to heaven, do not look for heat, please. That's the other direction, and you're asking for the wrong thing. Um, I understand how theologically false that was, but just bear with me. There's a number of different reasons that we will fall into the trap of being ungrateful. And I want to cover ungratefulness first um, before we read our passage, before we get into the scripture. I just want to talk about just ungratefulness. Where does it come from? So, so I'm aggravated mildly most of the time. Some little thing can derail the rest of my day. I can, I can have a bad day and not see the good or the things that have gone well in my life or the blessings that I have in my life. Why is that? What brings that? And there's several things. The first thing that will bring ungratefulness in our life is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness makes this statement. I'm going to give you a statement for each one. So, so you can examine internally, is this, is this something that I struggle with myself? Is this something that I have a problem with? Self-righteousness thinks this when something good happens to them. I deserve this. And we may not say the exact statement, I deserve this, but within our heart of hearts, we know the thing that came our way was because it was coming our way. I mean, after all, why wouldn't we get this or why wouldn't it happen for us? I deserve this. Why wouldn't my car keep all four tires on the pavement and all four tires full of air and everything go just perfectly? Why wouldn't it? I deserve this after all, don't I? 
And it's a sad and scary way, but that is how we think sometimes. We get this self-righteous mindset. And it's a dangerous way of viewing the blessings that we receive from others and from God. Ultimately, every good gift and every perfect comes from above. So, so all of the blessings that I'll talk about tonight, I'm, I'll talk about horizontal blessings from people, but you know those come from God. So if we start thinking in terms self-righteously, God, I deserve this, that's exactly what we're saying to him. The thing that I just got, I deserved. And no, we don't. Coming to a conclusion that I deserve something whenever it's been given to me or done for me, it's an indication that I've got a problem with gratitude. I am not going to be thankful for the thing I deserve. It's just not the way it works. This self-righteous attitude can be hidden behind a smile. And it can be even hidden behind two words that I ask my kids all the time. What do you say? You can hide in gratitude behind thank you. I can still think I deserve it and thank you for it. Um, Deep down inside, I know it's there, though. The second one that's an enemy of gratefulness, brings ungratefulness in our life, is that of forgetfulness. And what forgetfulness says is, I did this. Forgetfulness says, "I, I did this. Oftentimes, we overlook this, but if we really step back and remember, I and you are not responsible, I am not responsible, and you are not responsible for the good things that happen in our lives. Look through your life and look for all the good things that are happening right now in your life and remember, you did not cause that. You did not cause that. Now there's a prayer, Jimmy Stewart, you know Jimmy Stewart, he he starts to get popular around this time of year when we start watching It's a Wonderful Life, that wonderful story that's a, it's an allegory on Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to have some of you wondering, that's not true. It's not true. But It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart, uh, who wants to live and tells Charlie wants to live. He, he played a character named Charlie Anderson in a movie called Shenandoah. He, he played a Western character so well, didn't he? I think, I think Jimmy Stewart did a great job as a cowboy. But he sits down in Shenandoah, and he, he prays this prayer at their supper table. They've got the food laid out. And this is his words. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cook the harvest. It wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be eating if, it, if we had not done all of this by ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you, Lord, just the same for the food we're about to eat. Amen. Now, yeah, first time I heard that prayer, I just chuckled. I thought, my goodness, that's how I think sometimes. It's how you think sometimes with blessings that come into our lives. God, thank you just the same, but I did study for that test after all. God, thank you just the same, but I didn't look at my phone while I was driving. And you know what? I haven't been in a car accident in 20 years. God, thank you just the same, but I, I've... I kind of have this handled, and when it goes time for me to get a promotion or to get a new job or for my family to have food on their table when I can't find a job because I've lost it and I need something and I find something, thank you just the same, but I sure did put a whole lot of sweat, blood, tears, and effort into this. So thank you just the same, but I, I believe, I believe the, 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 the gratitude here should be coming my way. I did this. And we do think that way sometimes. The next one is commonness or commonality. It's always accessible. Man, I feel the heat right now. I think Brother Luke came in and said, is it cold in here? I'm cold. You're, you're going to be cold anyway. You were cold in July, weren't you? 
I just, anyway, I, I could just put you under my arm and warm you up a little bit. No, it, it was cool in here, and I feel the heat. Well, am, am I thankful for the heat in reality? Well, no, because it's always, it's always accessible. Are you cold right now? Yes, but I could turn the heat on if I wanted to. And when I turn the heat on, yeah, it's warm in here now. I'm, not, I'm no longer uncomfortable. But, I mean, I have blankets. I have heat. I have, uh, when you flip the light switch on at your house, well, yeah, I paid the electric bill, so forgetfulness, I did that. And secondly, it's always here. It's always available. You know the thing with commonality or commonness is it's always, it's always accessible until it isn't. And where this really rings the truest and the hardest and the loudest is people. They're always accessible until they're not. They're always around until they're not. We, we, have to, we have to get ourselves out of the mindset of ungratitude or ingratitude just because something is familiar, just because something is close uh, and, and seemingly always available. The last one before we get into our scripture is discontentment. Discontentment says, this is not enough, and I want more. Yeah, they, they did something for me, but it really wasn't all that I needed. Or, or they tried to help, but it really wasn't, wasn't enough. There, there's, a, there's a lack of gratitude involved in just that, that discontentment. Discontentment and gratefulness cannot coexist in the same person. You cannot be discontent with what you have and also be grateful for it. It's just not possible. A discontented person will never, ever find a reason to say thank you. Never. Uh, A contented and grateful person will always thank you, no matter how much or little they receive. You ever met somebody who was just that person that was so thankful for what you had given them and you walked away feeling bad because of how little you had given them and they were so thankful? Um, But a discontented person would never, never do that. There's a story told of two old friends, Bob and Frank, and they bumped into each other one day on the street, and Bob just looked miserable, absolutely down, crestfallen, downtrodden, miserable, on the verge of tears. And Frank said, Bob, what's, what's wrong? What has happened to you? And Bob said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my long-lost uncle died. I had never met him, but he left me $40,000 cash, and Frank said, that, I mean, that's a lot of money, it's your, your, but your uncle passed. And Bob said, well, well, I'm not done. Two weeks ago, I have a cousin that I never knew. A cousin died, and he left me $85,000 cash. And Frank said, well, it sounds like blessings, but you are losing family. I'm sorry for your loss. No, no, Frank, you don't understand, Bob said. Last week, a distant aunt passed away, and I inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars from her. Now, Frank is confused, and as you probably would be too. Bob, why are you so sad? What's wrong? Why do you look so gloomy? And Bob said, well, this week, nobody has died. I said, this week, nobody has died. Yeah, come on, guys. That was funny, okay? Do you want me to do a song and dance? I can't dance. I'm Baptist. Um, not because I don't believe in it, but because I can't, okay? Um, Let's look at Luke chapter number 17. When all else fails, read the Bible. Luke 17, we're going to start in verse 11. It 
You've heard the story um, in the Bible of the Good Samaritan, right? <clears throat> the Good Samaritan. We're going to read tonight about the Thankful Samaritan. I love this story. Um, verse number 11, we're going to start. Um, and it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were, not, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word tonight. And I pray that, Lord, you would take it and you would change lives with the power of your word. I pray that you would bless us tonight as we hear on gratitude. Lord, I pray that you would just teach us something and that we would leave different forever because of the heeding of your word in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so as Jesus is traveling into Jerusalem, we see, or traveling to Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem, he goes through a village and, and, and as, you, as you entered into villages in this day, they had, they had outside of the city, they would have little, little villages, for lack of a better term, in and of themselves, where lepers were. When you, when you were found and you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were condemned to death, essentially, slowly, painfully, and alone. But you're put out of the city. You cannot come in here. You cannot live among your family. You don't get to be with your family. Imagine this. You never get to hug your wife. You never get to hug your husband. You never get to hug your children or any family member. You don't get to embrace friends. No, no, you're, you were a part of a synagogue. You can't go into the synagogue anymore. You, you can't even go and worship God because you can't go into the city. You can't go in to be among the people. You're out here. You're relegated to a place to die. And so these lepers, as Jesus is entering to the city or into the village, these lepers call out to him. And, and, and I think it's interesting because it says here in verse 13, they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That, Jesus doesn't know them from Adam. Have mercy on us. Why would he have mercy on them? They knew who Jesus was. They knew that Jesus would have mercy on anybody who would call on him. You know, like, if that doesn't smash the Calvinist in the face, I don't know what does. Jesus is ready to give mercy to anybody that will call on him. And so they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stops. And these men come over to him. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to touch them. He doesn't have to do anything. He just says, go show yourselves. Not, not, hey, guys, I'm going to heal you. Go show yourselves to the priest. Go, go now. I'm heading to Jerusalem too. You go show yourselves now to the priest so you can get a receipt. You can get a certificate that says you are clean. You are cleansed. Your skin no longer has leper spots on it and you're free to come back in. So the lepers in their camp there, they holler out and they ask Jesus to, they ask Jesus to, to have mercy on them. And they, they, this encounter that they had with Jesus yielded 
a miraculous healing because he never had to lay a hand on them and he never actually even declared to them, you will be healed. He just said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went to show themselves to the priest, they, their leprosy was gone. As they headed in obedience to what Christ had told them to do, their leprosy was gone, and they noticed it. And it, it says here, I love that the Bible points out that he's a Samaritan. It doesn't do that on accident, by the way. Luke says it to us. Uh, Luke, Mr. Detail-Oriented, I'm going to tell you every single last detail that I can, Luke, uh, who wrote the book of Acts as well. When you read these books, you will see detail after detail after detail. And he writes in there and says, it says that he, in verse 16 at the end, and he was a Samaritan. I love that it points that fact out because who did the Jews hate more than Samaritans? I mean, maybe the Romans. Man, they hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews either. Um, but this man came back when he saw that he was healed in order to show gratitude to the one who had made him clean. The Bible gives us a sense that there's an element of faith attached to their going to the priest because he just said, to they, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And so they start heading their way and they see the cleansing and wow, I am no longer sick bodily of this disease that I had and continued going But this one man. And think about this. Every, Here's the, here's the priest, and here's Jesus. And every step that I take in this direction, less leprosy. And another step, less leprosy. And I'm getting healed as I go. And I look down, and I realize that the spots of leprosy are gone. What happens when I turn back this way to go this direction? Maybe logic may say to me, you might pick your leprosy up as you go back here. He didn't tell you to go this way. He told you to go that way. But this man saw gratitude and praise, and that's what he did as he praised God, to, to give praise to the one who'd given him the gift as so valuable as, as, as to say he wouldn't give me the leprosy back for coming and thanking him. And the man valued and prioritized gratitude over his very own, just the loving embrace of family, which he had to have been longing for. And this man comes back to Jesus, and he stopped and made a point to go thank him. I want to tell you four things that gratitude does, just four, four things that gratitude will do when we have it in our lives. So, so we saw what ingratitude does or what brings ingratitude, self-righteousness and forgetfulness and commonality. So those things will bring ingratitude to our life. We'll push them out when we recognize them. No, I didn't do this. No, I don't deserve this. If any of us get what we deserve, we go to hell. If any of us get what we deserve, we never make it anywhere safe. We don't have a vehicle to drive. We don't have lights. We don't have money in our pockets. Um, if any of us get what we deserve. So no, I don't deserve this. I didn't do this. This is any good thing comes from God and I should thank him and be grateful for it. So I should have gratitude. Here's what gratitude will do for you. Gratitude number one or what it does in your life. Gratitude number one prioritizes the giver more than the gift. When you have gratitude in your life, when you have gratitude for the things that you get, or the people who you have in your life, what you have done then is you, will, you prioritize the giver above the gift. When he learned he was cleansed, and I've already alluded to this, when he learned he was cleansed, he delayed his visit to the priest. Now, I know he probably delayed his visit three minutes, but think about it. 
You've gone without this for so long. Three minutes is an eternity. Every second he had been without his family or without his children, without his community around him, every second has been not of his own accord. He had no choice. But here he's cleansed. And the quicker he gets to the priest, the quicker he gets to embrace his people again. But no, he stops and he says, you know what, I prioritize the giver of the gift more than I prioritize the cleansing of my own body and the healing of my physical body from this disease, this dreaded sickness that I've had. He's been sick for so long, we don't know how long, but he's been outcast from his community. It probably didn't happen that day. This man has been living here and coming, coming to terms with, here's a term that we learned back in 2020, a new normal. He had come to grips with a new normal in his life, one that is void of any meaningful physical embrace. It would have been so much easier for him to just enjoy being healed than to go back and thank the one responsible. But what happened here is the the Samaritan set aside personal pleasure. He set aside personal enjoyment. He set aside everything pertaining to him and self. And, 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 And one priority... I want to prioritize the giver of this gift. And he, he, did, it, he did it in three ways. I'll, I'll go quickly. He, he did it personally. He did it explicitly. And he did it promptly. Um, the, that was three Ps. I didn't even notice that before. No, it's not. Two Ps. Sorry. Well, should we just quit and go home? No. Uh, <laughs> take a sip of this. Uh, Brother Luke, what's in this? That's what I want to know. Why am I getting so fumbled? Uh, okay, so I know my letters, okay? It's a P and E and a P. Uh, he did it personally. Here, here's some thoughts I have for gratitude. You want to prioritize a giver more than a gift. Thank the person. Show your gratitude. Show it to them personally. Don't, I, you, know, you wish you could just say to your wife, hey, would you make sure you write a, a thank you letter? Earl gave me a new wallet, and I just wanted him to be thanked. Uh, no, she doesn't be thanking for something you received. Go, go, go thank them yourself. I don't thank anybody for my kids' gifts that my kids received. They thank them themselves. Um, now, now, where I get to the second one is a little bit of a soapbox, if you'll allow me. Uh, explicit thanks is written thanks or spoken thanks. I think we need to get back to writing letters. I'm sorry, I'm old-fashioned. I'm only 37, but I feel like I'm 107 when I say something to somebody. I like to write letters. I don't lick the stamps because they have adhesive on them. I tried, and it just tastes nasty. They already have adhesive. And you stick the stamp in the top right-hand corner of the letter. You put it in this magic box outside of your house with a flag on it, and a person picks it up and gives it to other people, and they lose it. I mean, they, no, I mean, they, I mean, they deliver it to some other people, and it eventually finds itself in another magic box where that person can open and see and read a thanks from you. You have no idea how far an explicit thanks or a showing of gratitude will go in the life of somebody. You know how prioritized they would feel? How prioritized they would feel if you just wrote them or even just expressed it if you're able to personally expressing an explicit thanks to somebody for what they've done for them? <clears throat> and you ought to be prompt in it. Now, hold on. Back, back to the letter writing. And I, I'm, Do what you want to. Don't write letters if you don't want to. But you need to obey me. Uh, write your letters. Write thank you notes. Write thank you letters. And here's the argument that I've had from somebody. Well, if I wrote a thank you for every single thing that I received, 
I'd go broke buying ink pens or broke buying cards. Do you hear the fallacy in that argument? You really have a lot to be thankful for then. If you would, if you would empty a pen of ink and have to buy another, or you'd have to buy another pack of cards to express gratitude for the things that you have in your life to be thankful for, wow, you better get on your knees and, and, and beg forgiveness from Almighty God for not having been thankful before. Just think about how grateful we could be. Think about how thankful we ought to be. And then prompt. I just think, uh, I've always heard this term. My mother used to teach me this. Thank before you bank. Now that sometimes, she's usually referring when I was graduating high school and they wrote me a check for uh, high school graduation. And, and before you cash the check, make sure the person has received a thanks from you for the money they gave. But, but go a little further. Think of the Samaritan. Let's get back to the Bible. Think of the Samaritan. What did he do? He thanked before he banked. He was quick with his response. Hey, hey, Jesus, you, you're healing. I'm healed of leprosy, and I'm going to turn back, and I'm going to acknowledge that only God could do this, and only the Son of God could do this. And he came back to give glory and honor and praise to his Savior now, because that's how Jesus responds to him. Your faith has made you whole. He wasn't talking about leprosy. Their faith had made them healed. His faith had made him whole. And we'll get back to that in a second, but... My goodness. Gratitude ought to be shown to the human instrument, but man, we ought to be thankful to God. We ought to thank God. I've heard this statement before. Maybe it's a fair statement. Imagine waking up tomorrow with only the things that you thanked God for yesterday. Imagine, imagine waking up tomorrow in a world where you only have the things that you thanked him for yesterday. Uh, we, ought to be, we ought to be thankful. We ought to prioritize the giver more than the gift. Number two, gratitude brings glory to God. When he turned around to return to Jesus' feet, let's, let's read how he did it. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. He knew where the gift came from. He knew, he, he knew who was healing him. Glorified God. And then he went to the full source of his healing, Jesus Christ. And he, he, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And I don't think this is a mistake. When you read your Bible, it says glorified God, and the very next pronoun used is him, referring to God. Glorifying God. And then he laid down on his face at the feet of God and praised him. You bring glory to God when you're thankful for the things that you have. When we're grateful, when we have an attitude or a life of gratitude, we're giving glory and honor where it belongs to God. Um, we're, we're testifying of his goodness and his loving kindness to us. We're giving him honor and glory that is due only to him for any benefit we receive. My pastor in Florida always used to say, have an attitude of gratitude and an atmosphere of praise. And when you have an attitude of gratitude, the atmosphere that is constantly permeating from you is praise. When, we, when our attitude is first gratitude, we will praise. Praise is the atmosphere where gratitude will thrive. Um, we all should, we, I mean, when, when we show gratitude and we praise God, we're encouraging others to turn to him and trust him for their needs and desires. Sometimes somebody will go through something in their life that they've never gone through before, but you have, 
And because of the way you went through it and the gratitude you had for the provision that God gave to you, they'll have the faith then to follow right behind where you had gone. There's nothing unbiblical or unscriptural about that. You showing the gratitude, you showing how much trust you've had in God will give them more trust and more faith themselves. Um, it's actually a witness. Second Chronicles 16.8 says, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. 2 Samuel 22.50, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. I will sing praises unto thy name. 2 Chronicles 29.13, Now th- therefore our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Uh, there was a missionary named Carlos Dimarest. He was to, um, to Mexico City. Until he passed, he passed many years ago uh, of ALS. <clears throat> and, and like with his dying breaths, he was still writing notes to the people in Mexico. He had to come stateside for treatment and was sending letters across the border trying to win the loss to Christ. Like his dying breath was given trying to win the loss for Christ. He loved Mexicans so much and wanted to, wanted to see the entire nation saved. And, and he would... <laughs> I'm little, I'm young, probably Jackson's age there. And uh, how old are you? I, so I'm, that was a joke. Actually, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? 11. I'm probably around 11 years old. I'm in the Ace Hardware. Y'all know Ace Hardware? Uh, you know, Ace Hardware store. And we're looking for a specific bolt. It's got to be this specific thread pattern, probably a left-hand turn or something dumb like that that you can't ever find anywhere. And he's looking for it and can't find it, can't find it, can't find it. Finally gets somebody that's in the store, uh, an employee of the store, to help him. And from like 63,000 miles away, you can hear him, well, praise God and shame on the devil. And you're like, I don't know who he is. He's wearing a 10-gallon hat. I don't know who this guy is. We get to his aisle. I wasn't there with him alone. We get to the aisle where he is, and not only has he found the bolt, he has the employee on their knees with him calling out to God for salvation. The man showed gratitude for a bolt that he had found, and he won a lost person to Christ. Now, it wasn't the bolt that won them to Christ, but it was his praise and gratitude to a God who would care enough about a little tiny bolt. Um, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an act of witness. Um, Uh, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Our gratitude will value the giver more than the gift and it brings glory to God. Third, it results in a greater blessing from God. Now this is going to sound a little selfish, isn't it? If you show gratitude, you'll get more presents. But if you, you show gratitude and you prioritize the giver, God, above the gift, blessings, and you bring him honor and glory for your gratitude, he will bless you more. He just will. Now, I'm not saying that we're doing it so we can get blessed more, because he can see that act of ingratitude of saying, ah, this isn't enough. God will bless you further. I like giving kids, my children, I like giving my kids gifts when they're thankful. I enjoy it a lot more when they're thankful. Um, y'all better be listening because Christmas is coming up. And San- Never mind, I'm not going to. Our gratitude <laughs> results in greater blessing from God. After realizing the Samaritan, after realizing Jesus had healed his disease, he returned to give honor and glory 
and thanks, and when he did, it yielded further blessings. Let's read again. Jesus said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There is not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. And I've already said this. The nine's faith had made them healed. His faith made him whole. Why? Because he turned back. He turned back in gratitude. He came back to give praise and honor and glory to his God who had healed him. Um, And remember, don't, don't get lost in this fact. He's a Samaritan. They are not supposed to like each other. But this Samaritan man was willing to give honor and praise and glory to his God who had come down in flesh, in Jewish flesh form. Um, yielded further blessings, physically and spiritually whole, because he returned to the one who had cured him. The return built a relationship. Now it's, it built a relationship, and he, he, he came back to give gratitude to the one who had healed. Uh, who had healed. Um, The fourth thing, and we'll close. Gratitude demonstrates our faith in God. And I've said this. We're showing faith when we show gratitude. We thank God not only for the good things. We demonstrate our faith in his goodness and in his wisdom. We believe God in, 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 his, in his own ways and in his own time is going to deliver blessing to us. He does bless his children. But you know, <clears throat> when we live in an attitude of gratitude, it doesn't just apply to the good things. Um, it, I could probably, sometimes you do testimony services on a Thanksgiving night, uh, could probably have you stand, each stand and tell me, has anything bad ever happened in your life? Everybody in here would be able to stand up and say, yeah, I've had something difficult happen in my life. I've lost a person. I lost this thing. This bad thing has happened. Hard time. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. If you live in an attitude of gratitude for the things you've received in your life, the blessing you received, you will live in an attitude of gratitude for even the hardships and trials that God allows into your life. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything, give thanks. It doesn't say for, you're not thanking him for losing your job, but in it, thank you, God, for the provision that you're going to give me, even in the midst of losing a job. Thank you, God, for, thank you, God, for the provision you're going to give to me, even in the midst of fill in the blank. We all have different hardships that come into our lives. Thank you, God, for the provision. Thank you, God, for the blessing that you're going to bring I will praise you in the midst of this. I will give thanks in the midst of this. Why do we give thanks in everything? Because it's God's will. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's personal. He wants us to give him thanks in everything. Difficulty is a time when Satan will sow his seeds. Discouragement and discontentment. And it's not possible for him to sow those seeds when we're looking to him in gratitude for the blessings that he does bring into our lives. Um, there's a scholar, you may know Matthew Henry, a famous scholar, uh, wrote a commentary on the Bible, <clears throat> and it said that he was robbed one time. He got held up on the streets, 
And, and he wrote in his diary, they found in his diary later, he said, first, let me be thankful because I was never robbed before. Never been robbed before. Second, let me be thankful that although they took my money, they did not take my life. Third, let me be thankful that even though they took all I had, it was not much. And fourth, let me be thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed others. God's not asking us to thank him for a robbery. He's not asking us to thank him for the hard thing that happens in our life that always will happen. Job says it rains on the just and the unjust. Bad things will come into the lives of... Okay, I've heard people ask this question. Why would God allow bad things to happen to good people? Wrong question. Right question. Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Because we're all bad. I mean, all reality. Um, Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? He wants us to be thankful and find a way. If we are a person who lives an attitude of gratitude, we will find a way to be thankful, even in the midst of, like Matthew Henry, being robbed. Find a way to be thankful. We're showing our faith in a God who in his perfect provision and love will give to his children because he loves us. We should be willing to show gratitude even in hard times. Gratitude will prioritize the giver more than the gift. It will bring glory to God. It will result in a greater blessing from God, and it demonstrates our faith in God. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the day you've given to us, and I thank you for your word.